0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: It is 214-856-0550. It's an anonymous text line. So you can ask any question to us, and we won't know. Who send it to us. We set up a Google number just for this occasion of uh, Don't call this number. There's no reason to call it. But just leave this uh, a text at this number. It goes straight to us. We don't know who sent it. And we will answer your question. Sometimes you want to ask a question, but you're worried about the repercussions of asking a question. Anybody? Anybody experienced that in grade school? They said there was no stupid questions. And then Chris Blewett raised his hand and proved that wrong in grade school. Yeah, there are such things as, it, well, you don't have to worry about there being a dumb question. And I promise you, if you send us an anonymous text line, dumb question, we won't be like, wow, that was a dumb one. We won't be that way. We will do our best to answer it. And we're going to be answering it live in person at our question and answer series coming up in July. One more quick thing to say about this I grew up in a wonderful church with a lot of wonderful people. However, there was this feeling that you couldn't ask a question. If you asked a question, there was probably something wrong with you. Ron, I feel a little loud. I don't want to blow the people away today. If you are asking a question, it might be because you're having a struggle in that area. And so nobody wanted to ask that question, right? Well, what about this thing? And like, oh, why are you asking that question? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So it it felt dangerous to ask a question. Or maybe one of these things. Wow, you're asking questions about faith. Is that maybe because you're having faith problems? It's like, oh, no, gosh. uh, uh," It felt that way. And I want us to get rid of that. Can we just banish that forever? Can we just... A few people are for that. I want to get rid of that forever. We love you here, and there are no stupid questions, and we're all trying to figure this out together. We are all Jacob wrestling with God, trying to figure out... Who God is and what his plan is for our life. And so I want you to be a part of that. Everybody say, cool. All right, good. I'm glad y'all are into it. Excellent. Welcome back to Redemption Church, everyone. You are in Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. If you didn't know it. And if you have just found us somehow on the mystery that is the World Wide Web, you are in Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I'm happy to share the word of God with you today. Before we jump into the message, I have to say these words: Happy Father's Day! Can we hear it for the dads? Somebody clap, clap up for the dads. Anybody love their dad? I hope you love your dad. You are so blessed if you have a relationship with your dad, and you call him up, and say hello. And I am so sorry for anyone who doesn't have that relationship. I'm very blessed to have. Such a relationship. Happy Father's Day. And also, for the price of one. Happy Juneteenth. Juneteenth. If you don't know about Juneteenth, you need to study up Juneteenth. Can we hear for Juneteenth? And if you don't know about it, just clap along like you do. All right. Excellent. It's a day that we celebrate freedom for everyone. It is not okay for freedom to be just for some people. Freedom should be for everyone. And that's a day we remember Juneteenth. All right. Everybody, we're in the eighth and final week of our sermon series. It is called Somebody Help Me. No body left out. All right, we encourage you to read the companion 40-day devotional with us, and I applaud everyone who took the time to see this through, and I hope that you've grown closer to Jesus through it. Can I can I point out somebody in this room that read it and I'm very proud of? It? My son, William Worth, read the whole 40 days of this devotional. Can we hear it for him? Proud of you, William. Excellent. To anyone who has not finished the book, or maybe to anyone who you never actually started it. It like just is sitting on some table somewhere in your house. All right. Okay. We're we aren't throwing judgments stones at you today. Not today. Not today. Never. Never we're not gonna throw judgments at you. I do think that this devotional though is worth your time. All right. So I I, I think it will greatly bless you. So I want you to encourage you to go ahead, pick that book up, read it through. The book is widely available. It's called Nobody Left Out. It's by author Michael Murray. He is a sweet person. He has cerebral palsy and he has texted me often. Uh, and it's just amazing to just think that guy is struggling with cerebral palsy, but he takes the time text me back. I just love that guy. Michael, you're a blessing to us. And if we can get you a copy of this book, if you don't have a copy online or in the room and you'd like a copy of this book, just let us know. We we would, we would are willing to help you to get one, all right? Uh, on this last day of the series, we're going to be talking about the criminal. Everyone say the criminal. My goodness. The criminal. Turn with me in Luke chapter 23. If you got that? Uh, If you got your Bible with you, you got your phone, you can just Google Luke 23 or you can read on the screen with us. Luke 23 gives us a description of the crucifixion. Get the picture of the crucifixion in your mind, the picture of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we're going to be reading Luke 23, verse 32, 47. Here we go. Verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Verse 35, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above his head which read,
0: this is the king of the Jews. Verse
1: 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, Since you are under the same. We are punished just, for we are getting what our deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. Verse 40 Then he said, Jesus, remember me. Come to. You. Jesus answered him, "Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise." It was now about noon. The darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for so the sun stopped shining. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. Called out with a loud voice, "Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." When he had said this, he breathed his last. Verse thirty-seven. It's Seeing what had happened, praised God, said, Surely was a right. you thankful for the word of God today. I got a question for you. It's a silly question. Here it is Have you ever had a bad day? Ever had a bad day? Anybody not ever have a bad day? Right? Round. Where I come from, we call those Mondays, right? Mondays are typically terrible days. Of course, you've had bad days. Well, I want to talk to you over the next few moments about the worst moment of the worst day. You ever have a worst day? You have a bad day. You ever have a worst day if there's a day that comes to your mind? And is there a worst moment in that worst day? I guarantee you, if you have a worst day, you remember the worst moment. In the middle of one of your bad days, has, have you ever had someone come up and ask for your help? Like you're having the worst day. And somebody's like, hey, will you help me? And you're, you are, it's hard not to just like bite their head off at that moment. Like, God, did that help? Ugh, I, uh, that, that's just me? Am I the only one? No, you, you have these bad days. And of course, of course, somebody wants my help. Now, now, some people never like being asked for assistance. They never like, like they never like to be bothered in that way. And there are some people who actually put on an unfriendly persona for the express purpose of deterring those who would approach them and ask for help. Right? They actually act mean all the time, so nobody goes. Don't want to ask them. Right? Don't want to ask that right? There's a whole Seinfeld episode about that. George walks around just asked, frustrated all the time, and they're like. Oh, don't bother George. He's silly, right? There's people like that. There are people like that. There's some, But I'm not talking about putting on a show today. I'm talking about a day that really is a bad, the worst. And I would say regardless of your willingness to help others, there are days where it's harder for everyone to muster up a smile and say yes, I'll be right over to him. There are times where people catch you at your worst moment. At your worst day. I'm not usually want to lose my temper, but it is probably because someone caught me at the wrong moment of a really bad day. In Luke 23, Jesus is having the worst. The worst day of his entire life. His day in Luke twenty three makes our worst day look like a slight inconvenience. It makes it look like a light affliction. His day is absolutely the worst day ever. I believe I can get it on. Um, what what happened on this day? Well let's review. Uh Jesus is betrayed. Betrayed in the dark hours of night. He is wrongly arrested and then uh, put through a sham of a trial where people lie about him, people slap him, spit in his face. He is forced to stand between several governmental authorities. At one point, they just like send Jesus to different places. They're like, he has to go over here, go over there, go over there. The one place he, he's sent to, Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate. And then he is also sent to King Herod. And none of them really know what to do. That had to be very frustrating. None of them knew if they could or if they should set a man who did nothing wrong free. Jesus is beaten mercilessly with a whip that has nine strands that are embedded with sharp stones and hooks. Imagine a leather whip with nine ends coming off of it, and braided in those ends are stones. And hook, it's called the cat of nine tails, and it was used by, with great skill, by a taskmaster of the Roman guard, and it would sink into the skin and rip out chunks of flesh. This happened on Jesus's worst day. A mob cries out. They cry out, not cheers, but they cry out, "We want to see him die. We want to." work die in the worst way. We want him to be crucified. They yell over and over, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They took his hands, they took his feet, and they drove large spikes through them, all the way through them and into a large wooden cross. They sit that cross up and Jesus was hung upon this cruel cross in full view
0: of this massive, crowd that have gathered to watch him suffer and die. In order
1: to breathe, Jesus would need to pull his body weight up by what? The nail pierced hands and the nail pierced hand. A lot of people don't know this about the crucifixion. It's actually designed that you have to pull up your body weight in order to breathe in then give under that severe pain that's on your hands trying to hold your body weight up and sinking back down to where you can no longer breathe only before you die to cry to lift yourself up again over and
0: over this was the worst day further in the middle of this his worst day, and at the worst moment. The worst moment of the worst
1: day. One of the criminals asks Jesus an all-important question. Even more, one of the one of these criminals makes a personal request of he is asking Jesus for something at this moment. Ever been like, I'm a little busy, buddy. Could you just hold on? I don't know until I don't have a mic. Until I'm feeling better. Until I have a moment to think. No, there was no such moment. And all of this hitting at once. And of all the things, a guy asked something. We read this scripture today. You may have read this portion of scripture before but you and i have probably always read this passage of scripture incorrectly to correctly render this verse you have to remember the agony of trying to breathe slowly suffocating and the pain of trying to live i don't want to make fun of this i can't i cannot quite capture it but as i read this i would like you to imagine with me that i'm having trouble breathing that I am fighting for my breath. Just say word with verse thirty-nine. One of the criminals who hung there hurled
0: insult at him. Are you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other criminal Rebuke him. He says something. What does he say? Don't you fear God? He said, Since you are under the same sentence,
1: not pausing for effect, pausing to have enough strength to get more breath, to say the next words, lift himself up under the pain, and he We are punished justly for we are
0: getting what our deeds deserve. But this man this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom none of these words None of these words were easy. These words were painful.
1: To hurl the insult, to ask the question, all of it was painful. All of it was humiliating. All of it was slowly dying. This is the worst moment of the worst day. The worst day for Jesus, and here in the final moments, the Son of God couldn't even die in peace.
0: You know, Jesus' life was just filled with people. He would walk through the city streets. He couldn't just walk through the city Suddenly had a crowd with him. He couldn't just teach a lesson.
1: No, he had to feed a multitude. He couldn't just make his way around the nation of Israel. No, he constantly had to go to Jerry's house. Constantly was being touched. By a woman with the issue of blood. He was constantly being asked. By the Samaritan woman. A question. He was constantly being begged. Over and over again. And here in these last moments. Even though everyone's turned their back on him. Even though they're all cursing him. Even though he's in this worst day. And the worst moment of the worst day. He can't get a moment. To himself. Jesus had lived a life. That was surrounded by crowds of people asking for miracles, wisdom, healing, and even food. Now here is Jesus surrounded by a crowd yelling crucify. And there is still one single voice that has the audacity to approach Jesus at the worst time of the worst day. If there was ever a time to say, sorry, not today, it would have been this moment. I would not have blamed Jesus at all at this moment. Anybody with me? I wouldn't blame. Oh, my gosh. It was at this moment. If there was ever a time to respond in anger, if there was ever a time to cuss, just let somebody have it, to tell them how you really feel, tell them to even go to hell, those kind of words, Don't look at me shocked. Y'all drive on 75 and have to repent very often. If there was ever a moment to have these kind of feelings and this kind of response, it was this moment, the worst day, the worst
0: moment of the worst day. But on the worst moment of the worst day, Jesus took the little strength he had left. And in such love, a love that is beyond my depth to understand, Jesus lifted himself up. He gasped air to his lungs so that he could respond this way. Verse 43, Jesus answered. Really, I tell you, day will be with me in paradise This is Jesus. if you want to know what Jesus is like, this is it. If you want to know how God feels about you. It's right here in there. it's right here at this very moment. At the worst moment of the worst day, Jesus received the criminal. He received. He used
1: his last breath and his last drink. Shut out all the other negativity going around and look at that criminal. The worst moment of the worst day, I want to tell you, Jesus will receive. At the worst moment, Of the worst day, Jesus will hear your request. He'll hear your prayer. Somebody say these words. It's not what it looks like. There are many elements to this story that are just a little deceiving to the eye. It's not what it looks like. When it comes to life, there are often problems we sense, but we can't fully understand the problem. We know there's a problem. There are times as a parent, I sense silence in my house, and that should be a wonderful thing. But you know, if parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. There is a silence that makes you go, uh-oh, that's a little too quiet, right? And you don't know what's wrong, but you know something is wrong. Your spider senses are just going, whoop, whoop, whoop. You got to get in there right now. Someone's about to die, something. And you know what? Eight out of ten times, you're probably right on. Somebody, y'all know what I'm talking about? There are times in life, there are problems. You can sense them, but you don't quite understand them. We can look at people and we can look at situations and we don't quite understand them. In fact, sometimes we can judge the people wrong. Sometimes we can judge the situation wrong. And all of us have done that at one time or another. When we hear the story, of an unwed mother, we could wrongly reprimand reprimand her in our mind. We could think about her situation wrongly, and we could think about her wrongly. And sometimes we do. When we see the person begging by the side of the road, perhaps it's more complicated than the open-shut judgment that goes through your brain. Well, there they are. We do it when a child experiences a meltdown and, ex- and 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 just appears out of control. Maybe there is more going on under the surface that you aren't judging correctly. You aren't judging judging the situation correctly. You aren't judging the child correctly. Is that possible? Somebody say, Yeah, it's possible. Maybe the child is struggling so terribly inside with a sensory issue you don't understand or even know about, and they are so frustrated, they don't know what to do with their body, so it just comes out like this. And add to that, no one seems to understand them. Can I tell you it's not what it looks like when someone confesses. A crisis
0: of faith. It is so easy to judge them incorrectly. Luke chapter 23, on the worst day, things were not quite as
1: they. I want to ask you this what does a king look like? Get that picture of what a king looks like. What does it look like? Got that in your brain? What's that picture look like? Does it look like Jesus
0: on the cross? Is that your picture of a king?
1: Have we seen any member of the royal family in in Britain? Treated in such a way as what does royalty look like? What does a king look like? Jesus had been ridiculed the entire day. And you know the big punchline of every joke? What was it? It was that he was a king. We read it. We read it. He was paraded around by Herod. Herod dressed him up. Oh, look at the king. He made big fun of him.
0: The Roman guards, they made this
1: crown of what? Yeah, it was a crown. Shoved it down on his head. And that, what's the sign above him? What does it read above his cross? It says king of the Jews. Do you realize that that was meant as a cruel joke? To Jesus and all of Judaism. Jesus
0: did not look like a king. But
1: friend, he was not. What? Moving on. What does a citizen of God's kingdom look like? Think about that. What does a citizen of God's kingdom look like? Well, you know them because they have a WWJD bracelet. They've got a shirt. They've got a bumper sticker that says "Honk if you love Jesus," or a, a, a maybe a, a shirt that says "Not today, Satan," or "My boss is a Jewish carpenter." One of those things. You can tell. You can tell that they're a citizen of of heaven because you hear the music they listen. What What is it? What is it that that you think in your head, both in, incorrectly or correctly? What is it that you think? A citizen of heaven. I want to tell you the thief. Who wheezed his request. To Jesus. Did not appear. To be a citizen. Of any king. Domain. Does anybody agree with you? Did he look like a member of any king's family? The thief was surely an outcast. No one would claim. As their own. We have no part of our story that we read where either of the criminals crucified with Jesus had family members there. Likely there was no family members there for them at all. They were completely disowned, completely outcast. That thief did not look like a citizen, especially of God's kingdom. Everyone laughed and said, that's a sinner. That's what sinners
0: A friend, not what, it looks like.
1: not what it looks like. How about this one? What does redemption look like? What does redemption look like? Get that picture? We're redemption church. Do we even know what that looks like? What do we think redemption looks like? Oh, redemption must be when somebody shows up to church. You know, they've gotten their life perfect now. And now they wear a, a button-up shirt little tie. They have a little Bible. They're so serious about their Bible that they put it in a little leather case, right? That's what it is. Wear glasses because they read all the time. That's what redemption looks like. And whenever they're going through problems, people go, are you okay? And they're like, I am blessed. Is that what redemption is? What is redemption like? What does this redemption We hold so dear. What does it actually look like? Do we know? Do we know? Your mind would never picture redemption as two dying men wheezing a short conversation from a cross. Somebody nod if I'm right. That was not the picture you thought of. Bleeding. Dying. Sweating. Suffocating.
0: Hearts failing. outcast
1: left all alone. The crucifixion was a brutal public execution. It it was all those things. It wasn't just an execution. It was a public one. It wasn't just an execution that was public. It was also brutal. Why? Why? Because they didn't want to just kill a person. They wanted to make a public show of them and say, don't you ever dare do what this person did. What that was about. Don't you ever step out of line. If we tell you not to do this, we are Rome. We are the great nation of Rome. And if you disobey us, you will die just like this brutal public execution. Who was a brutal public execution like that for? Here's for it was for those that were considered beyond redemption. They couldn't be redeemed. Crucifixion was for those who could never be rehabilitated. We have a prison system, and there are... Sure, we could talk about the problems of the prison system all day. There are lots of them. But here is the point of a prison system. We are trying to get problems off the street, so hopefully we can rehabilitate them and bring them back into society that's at least how it's supposed to be everybody kind of agree there and if we can't rehabilitate them we need to keep them away from hurting other people Did everybody kind of get that right but there's this idea of rehabilitation i want to tell you that the cross was for those who could not be rehabilitated they said these people aren't worth trying to, to help them anymore these are the people that it's not worth even keeping them in jail anymore the best Use we can get out of this person is to make them suffer so badly in front of someone else that they don't try to do the thing that they just tried to do. The crucifixion is for those that are beyond redemption. We talk about the criminals. Sometimes we call them the thieves on the cross. I want to tell you that these guys didn't just like steal a magazine right they didn't just like steal a f- no these were probably habitual criminals who who had shown that they couldn't change they were probably murderers and so they were easily, it was easy to label them they're beyond redemption the cross doesn't look like
0: sure you wear it on a little necklace around your neck that's wonderful Cross not what it. is. Aren't you glad that it's not what it is? Aren't you glad that the cross isn't a terrible end that ends gross pain?
1: Let's stay on this point one more moment. Jesus and the criminal have this conversation and then they both die, right? Criminal dies. Say yeah. Jesus dies, say yeah that doesn't look like redemption either does it it looks like it looks like failure let's get real that looks like failure The fact that you can talk to the to Jews today that that have not received Jesus Christ and they will say huh your your messiah is a failure he died upon the cross I've had this conversation. it looks like a failure they're absolutely right that it looks like it because he died both of them die. They have a conversation. They share a moment. And then they die. Don't ever forget that part. They died. No one standing there at the cross rejoiced in the redemption of the cross. No one just said, I think it's a good time to sing Amazing Grace. And somebody pulls out a guitar and starts playing. That doesn't happen, Christian, at the cross of Jesus Christ. It was a bloody, awful thing that left everybody with no hope even the centurion that looks up and says surely this was the son of god i want to tell you he wasn't testifying what a wonderful thing now i've come to faith actually he is mourning he's saying no this was the son of god but now it's too late now redemption is gone forever because he is dead and i did
0: it Everyone there
1: mourned what would be a funeral. It said, we read it, that the people who left the scene of the cross, it said the people,
0: they all beat
1: chest. They walked away. The very people who said crucify him, when they see this moment, they realize, oh God. There is no redemption here for any of us. Some of you have had to attend funerals.
0: Some of us were praying to avoid
1: you are praying that God would lift up your friends, would lift up your loved ones. What I, what I want to tell you is what happens Luke 23 reminds us that death is not
0: Somebody listen, death
1: is not what it's. Death looks like there is no redemption. And I have friends in this room who lost someone buried here to pray. you prayed. I want to tell you there was nothing wrong with your prayer. There was nothing wrong with your faith. Stop picking yourself up. You need to understand that you don't understand what faith, what faith looks like and what death looks like and what redemption looks like because you think because they died that there was no redemption. And if you feel that way, you are just perfect cast along everyone else at the foot of the cross because none of them saw that death and felt
0: redemption either. I want to tell you,
1: friends, all my hope is in the reality that lies beyond what my eye somebody say it's not what it like it's not what it's looked like that that man on the cross he was a king, even though he, he didn't look like it. The other man on the cross he was a citizen of god 's kingdom, even though it didn't look that way, and that cross it was and is redemption for everyone who believes in it, even if it doesn't look like it, and even though they breathe. There, last Jesus Christ. He said these words, and they are true. I am the life and the resurrection. He who believes in me shall not die. They will not die. He says these words, and even though it doesn't look like it, I want to tell you, it's not what it looks like. Not what it. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. Probably heard this verse, not heard this verse. It says For we live by faith, not by somebody. Help me with the last word. Sight. We live or some versions say we walk by faith, but not by sight. I want to tell you, faith is not about what it looks like. It's not about what it looks like the thief changed things up. Right. Before he died. And that's what I really love about this story. He has a life that is just a bunch of terrible, terrible, terrible. You looked at the trajectory of his life. It probably started here and went just down. A lot like my 401k recently. Just down and down. That's what his life looked like. But before he died, he changed things up. In the closing moments of his life, he stopped trying to see with his eye. All his life, he had seen things and said, well, I want that. I will kill someone to take it. That thing over there, I want to do that thing. I don't care what it costs me. That person makes me so mad, I'm going to get revenge on them. And I don't care what happens about it. Sure, I got out of jail, but I'm gonna go right back in because I everything I see is what I do, everything I see is how I live. But in these last moments, he stopped trying to live life by
0: the I, and he started to live by what by faith. We're about to talk to God
1: on page one hundred two in this we've been reading nobody left out Michael Murray wrote these wonderful words I just want to share this simple sentence with you he said these words I'll throw it up on the screen for you as Jesus grew weaker in the world's eyes he somehow started looking more kingly The criminal. as everybody was giving up on Jesus somehow he started looking by faith and he for the first time started to believe. As we draw to the close of this sermon and to this series, I want to ask you, how do you see Jesus? How do you see Him? Can you see Jesus through the eyes of faith? Can you stop seeing things through, you know, what, what's in front of you in, in the tangible realm? Can you stop just viewing it as it's church and it's got stained glass windows and pipe organs, praise bands, laser lights? It's got all the trappings. Can you stop thinking that way? And can you maybe even just close your eyes and in your own imagination, can you imagine Jesus Christ on that cross? And can you imagine all all your bad choices putting you deservingly on the cross beside you? And can you imagine that in the worst moment of the worst day, look over at Jesus, And you use what
0: little dad's drink you have. You ask him, you request to let you be a member. you imagine that you're
1: imagining that? I want to tell you, you're not seeing with your physical eyes. That is, can you believe it? If you're believing it, why don't you start to thank him that he hears you? like he heard that criminal. On the worst day that Jesus ever lived, a criminal made a request. His request was granted because Jesus leaves nobody out. That's what this whole series has been about. Every person we've looked at is a person that the world has left out. Everybody turned around on the religion. They weren't welcome in religion. They weren't welcome home. They weren't welcome even in the streets. But Jesus makes sure They aren't left
0: out. Don't you know that the same for you right now?
1: We are the criminals. There are two criminals. And we usually refer to one of the criminals as the good criminal. Right? And then we refer to the other one as the bad criminal. Can I tell you something? Neither of them are good. They're both bad. In fact, elsewhere in the gospel, it says that both of those criminals ridiculed Jesus. Both of those criminals mocked Jesus. Both of those criminals were not good criminals. You want to know who the good criminal wasn't? It was Jesus. Yeah, criminal? Isn't that wrong to say? Well, Isaiah said that that he was going to be numbered. The good criminal was the one that never stole anything. It was just called. I want to tell you, take all the burdens of trying to be good. You don't have to be good. You'll never be good enough. Christ is good. Christ will Christ will you. Christ hears you. So reach out to Him right now. We're going to sing together. I want you to feel welcome to come for prayer today. These altars are open. If you want somebody to pray with you, For more
0: information about Redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.